Thank you for joining us. We pray that as you listen today, that you are encouraged and inspired. And we would love for you to connect with us on social media. Now here's today's message. If I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. The Bible means forsake. When you use the word forsake, it means to quit or leave entirely, to abandon, to desert, to give up, to renounce. And I travel in a lot of churches, and I'm amazed of how advanced they are with technology. But I'm appalled of how absent they are of the presence of Almighty God. And friend, it is my number one objective that whatever we do in Living Way Church in 2024, that we seek the face of God. Because people are in desperate need, and technology cannot cast out a devil. It cannot heal a cancer. It cannot save a soul. And so we cannot forsake the things of God. But God said, I've got two things against you. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. God said, I've got two things against you. Said, you've forsaken the living water, which is me. He said, that's the first thing. But he said, the other thing is, you've built your own cistern. You know the difference between a cistern and a well? A cistern, a well is filled with the water that flows up through it. A cistern is water that you catch off of a roof or some apparatus and goes into a holding tank. That's a cistern. So one is just man caught, and the other one is supernaturally made. And God said, not only have you forsaken the living water, you now have substitute things. And when I look around at the church today, I find out that they have substituted for the spiritual power of God things of their own ingenuity and their own creation. And we really have a problem in believing the simple truths of the Word of God. Jeremiah said, O Lord, the hope of Israel and all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountains of living water. Two evils, forsake me the fountain of living water and hewn them out cistern, God replacements. Everybody serves some kind of a God. A God that is real from the Bible or some replacement God they have. Perversion begins with God replacement. In the book of Romans, when it talks about all of the perversion and the sexual perversions that we see today, it tells us that the first thing that happened is when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. And then it follows that with all those perversions. Friend, if we do not drink from the well of living water, I promise you we will twist and pervert the things until we are totally abased and far from God. Forsaken wells, the well of the Word of God. I, I listened to somebody on television, and they said, the Constitution has to be updated just like the Bible has to be updated. You're wrong. I don't know about the Constitution. 
I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I do know about the Word of God. And the Word of God cannot be updated. The same Word of God is true today that was true 2,000 years ago. And so we want to we want to substitute the Word of God for our own understanding. When I talk to people that are not really born again and filled with the Spirit of God, they find out I'm a pastor and they want to talk about religion. Uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, I tell you what, I don't know much about the Bible, but he said, I do know this one story from the Bible. He said, I know about the guy that complained because he had no shoes until he saw the guy that had no legs. He said, I know that's in the Bible. I didn't have the heart to tell him that's not in the Bible, sir. The one thing he knew that was in the Bible wasn't in the Bible. And so when they find out, when they find out I'm a preacher, they want to talk about theology. And they always want to preface it. Well, what I think, it doesn't matter. What I feel, it doesn't matter. Just because I'm the pastor of the church, it doesn't matter what I feel or what I think. It is the Word of God. And that is a well that we cannot forsake. Heaven and earth shall pass away. The Word of God shall endure forever. This Bible that I preach about, it never changes. That I preach about, it never changes. And so we cannot substitute it with our college degree, with our PhD, with our own understanding. The Bible said if we lean on our own understanding, it is like a weak staff. It will break when we need it most, our own understanding. And when it breaks, it'll leave a sharp, jagged edge that will pierce our hand. Your own understanding will not save you, but the Word of God will save you. We're begotten by the Word of God. I've shared this with you several times, but let me share it again. We're coming up on the elections, so let me share this with you. I used to get involved in all the social issues of our world, our nation. I used to get involved in politics from the pulpit when I was a young preacher. And I was praying one day in the building right across the street in the old building. And the Lord spoke to me just as clearly. And he said, son, you're making a mistake. He said, you're preaching your opinions. And God said, your opinion might be right some of the time. But he said, your opinion is never supernatural. Even if the preacher's opinion is right, it's not supernatural. God said, preach my, he said this to me personally, preach my word because it is supernatural. My opinion, as correct as it might be, is not supernatural. My opinion is not going to deliver you from drugs. My opinion is not going to deliver you from addiction. My opinion is not going to deliver you and heal you from cancer. It's not going to set you free. But the Word of God is supernatural. 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 Kenneth Copeland told the story about one of his men and one of the men in his church that got injured and was in a coma. For weeks he was in a coma. And he lay there, and the doctors gave up and said he will never, ever recover. We want to unplug him. It's over. And his wife would not do that. But she took the Bible on tape and set it by his bedside and played it 24 hours a day. And after several weeks, he opened up his wife's eyes and said, Honey, 
how long have I been asleep? And she said, for weeks. He said, I've been hearing the Word of God over and over and over and over. And it somehow caused me to wake up. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, if you will come to God's house and hear the Word of God, and if you will study the Word of God, it is a well of water springing up. Sooner or later, it's going to revive every good thing in you. Some people are afraid to read the Word of God. You know, when I was a little boy, my daddy worked on the railroad. He was an engineer on the railroad. And the way that worked in those days was they would call him, and they would say, J.P., you're third out. What that meant, there was two crews ahead of him. He was the third crew. And so he had to begin to prepare. And maybe two or three hours, that train that he was going to be engineering would be leaving, and he had to be there. And so he had to wait for the call. And so occasionally, Daddy would say uh, to one of the family members, he said, I'm second out, or I'm third out. He said, get ready and, and listen for the phone, and you come and get me if they call. And you accept it, because he had to accept the call. If, they, if he didn't accept the call, they got another crew. And so he and Mama went somewhere, and I was about probably eight years old or something, and they called me. And I said, they said, would you accept the call? I'm like eight years old, and I said, yeah, I accept the call. I thought Daddy'd be right back. Man, I didn't want my daddy to get fired. That was a good job being an engineer on the New York Central Railroad. And I had that, that, that call. I thought, well, daddy would be back in a few minutes. And man, I, I forgot how long they said he was, what time he had to be there, they told me. And man, the time started going by, and he wasn't there, and he wasn't there. And I began to cry. I was there by myself in that big old farmhouse. I began to go, oh, God, get my daddy back here. And I did everything I knew. I thought, I need to read the Bible. When I was eight years old, I wasn't really a Bible scholar. And so I went over, and we had a, we had a set. I don't remember whether you had any. Big old wooden stand. Had all the encyclopedias on the top. And then on the bottom, it had a big family Bible and a big dictionary. And I went over, and I got that big family Bible. And I didn't know much about the Bible. And I turned to the book of Revelation. And, man, I read all the scary part. And then I began to make promises to God based on those scary parts, what I'd do. I'd be the best little boy that ever lived. And I just cried, and I prayed, and I, I beat the floor, and I read those scary parts. And that's why Daddy drove in. I said, Daddy, you got to be there. Oh, that's all right. The crisis was over. Oh, I closed that Bible so quick, put it up, and I, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, oh, God, I didn't really mean all them promises. Well, there's a lot of people who do the same thing. When you get trouble in your life, the doctor gives you a bad report, you get in the Bible, and you, friend, that's not what the Bible is for. The Bible is not a scary book. The Bible is a book of promises. And when I find out I got a need, I can find a promise in that book. Have you ever just written down a promise and every day just pray that promise, pray that promise, pray that promise, pray that promise? I did that for this church back in the 80s when we were having real financial difficulty. I got me a little scripture from the Old Testament, and I wrote it out, and I prayed it every day, and I'd pray it for at least an hour every day, and I did that for weeks and months. I prayed that, and praise God, I don't know what day it happened, but God turned the finances of this church around. I don't have to call the bank every day. We're not living from paycheck to paycheck in this church. God has blessed us. But I found out the Word of God is a fountain to me.
It's not something that threatens me. It's something that promises me. But when I go to some churches and they get up and they talk about all kinds of things, I say, oh, that was good, but it wasn't supernatural. When I go to the house of God, I want the Word of God to be preached because it is supernatural. It will put health back in my body. It'll put salvation in my spirit. It'll put joy in my heart. It'll put money in my bank. It'll put life in my very being. Praise God. And ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to have revival in America, and I don't believe that I don't believe America is going to be saved from the White House. I don't believe it's going to be saved from the state house. I don't believe it's going to be saved by the schoolhouse. I believe America is going to be saved from the church house. If my people, not my politicians, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. We've got to become a word church. We've got to believe what the Bible says. It's not a social church. It's a supernatural church. We need the power of God to come into this room. Every time we meet together in this big old room, I'm telling you that there are people that have needs. They've got kids that are addicted. They've got sicknesses in their body. They've got problems in their marriage. They've got financial problems. And what we need more than anything else is the fountain of living water. Let me tell you about that fountain of living water. You know what it did? Isaiah said, I saw it. And he said, it began to flow. And he said, it began to flow out from beneath the door of the tabernacle and it flowed out into the streets. He said, and everything it touched lived. Where did it start? It started in the tabernacle. Ladies and gentlemen, can I propose to you that God is concerned about the state of America and this world? But can I propose to you that the solution is not in politics, it's in this church building and God wants us to get back into his word and back into his Holy Spirit and back into his fountain and he wants the Holy Spirit to begin to move in this room and the Bible said that the man with that Ezekiel walked out there and he said it was it was ankle deep and then it was knee deep and then it was up to his hips and finally it was up to his chin and he had to swim in it friend we've got enough for us that's not the question whether you have enough for you do you have enough for your family do you have enough for your friends when the lamb that was slain from the Passover, he said, if it's too big for you and your family, go to your neighbor and invite them to eat the lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, we need an overflow of the Holy Spirit. The power of God needs to be in living ways so strong that it flows out on this freeway. I read great stories about Smith Wigglesworth. When he walked into a factory, people would begin to weep just because he was there. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you to pray for the anointing to come upon you, the power of God to come upon you, that when you walk into a hospital, things change. When you go to your family reunion, revival breaks out. When you go into a store, people come up and question you about what is it about you that's different, and you begin to share Christ with them. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a God and that God is available and that God is willing and that God hangs over the battlement 
of heaven right now. And he says, seek my face. Forsake the sisters that you have hewn out with your own hands and come back to the wells of living water. And one of them is the word of the living God. But we cannot forsake the word of God and we cannot forsake worship. I know churches have become now places of entertainment. We've got so many people that are so talented. We can hear them sing. We can hear them play. We can watch their oratory. And church becomes a place of entertainment where 15 people entertain 2,500 people. That's not the will of God. God intends when we come to his house for everybody in the building to be worshiping from the back row to the front row to the platform. He intends for everybody to have a song. He intends for everybody to lift their hands. He intends for everybody to worship him. That is one of the wells, the wells of salvation. With joy we draw water out of the wells of salvation. Church, we must return to the former things of God. It is God's word. It is Jesus' blood. It is old-fashioned worship where people praise God and they recognize it's not because they've got a good job and a good education that they are doing well. It's because they got a good God. They've got a God that is ever-present. They've got a God that is a help in the time of need. They've got a God that intervenes for them. They've got a God that will roll back to heavens like a scroll and meet them whatever it is. Beck and I have been through a million trials. My, my brother, he was older than I was, but smaller than I am, and he's dead and gone on now. And he struggled to live for the Lord. My brother was a sweet guy, but he was so susceptible to influence. If you were with him and you'd said, let's go to church, he'd say, okay. If you said, let's go to the bar, he'd say, okay. He was just swayed by whoever he was with. But he used to say to me, brother, you just do it so easy. It's just so easy for you to live for God. Hey, those of you that are looking on, let me tell you, it ain't easy for nobody. But some of us have made up our mind that we're not going to drink from the stagnant cisterns of man. But every day of our life, we're going to the well of God. And we're going to pray to God. And we're going to worship God. And we're going to read God's Word until we stagger out of our bedroom or our prayer room or our kitchen and say, I have been with the Lord. The Bible said they looked at the disciples and marveled and said, these men have been with Jesus. Friend, if you get with Jesus, after a while there is a telltale effect. People can tell you have been with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just going to be a big old building with lots of money and lots of people. We are going to be God's church in this last days on America's busiest interstate. We're going to see wonders and signs. We're going to see people come to Christ by the thousands. We're going to see the Holy Ghost fall like rain. We're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see crutches left at the altar. We're going to see people vacate their their wheelchairs and get up. We're going to see people lay their blood and their drug paraphernalia on the altar. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you I am going to seek the face of God in 2024 until we see the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. We've got a nation that's sick. We've got a city that has died and I hold the keys to the kingdom and you hold the keys to the kingdom and we must get back to the fountain of God the things of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ we must 
We must, ladies and gentlemen. It's not enough just to have good church. We've got to have a revolution. We've got to have a revival. We've got to have the well of the Holy Spirit that's preaching up in this place. We've replaced everything that God put in his Bible with something that man has. You know what we like better than anything in the Christian church? It's what we call the sinner's prayer. There is no record of the sinner's prayer in the Bible. It's a wonderful thing to say there is no record. In the Bible, they called it repentance, real repentance. People came with godly sorrow and repented. They left differently than they came. They were changed. They were transformed. It changed their lifestyle because the blood of Christ was applied to them. And their hearts were changed and transformed. And they were supernaturally born again. We cannot abandon the things of God and supplant them with some mad thing that man has imagined or invented. We've got to go back to the old paths and the well of God and say, Holy Spirit, fall in this place. There needs to be services where we don't have a form, a formula, or a schedule, but the power of God just sweeps in. And people that are here for the first time without ever hearing a sermon come forward and say, can I be saved? Can I be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? We need somebody to sit on that back seat and all of a sudden they scream and say, I have just been healed. I was preaching in Bossier City, Louisiana, in the very church that Becky and I got married in. And I remember the sermon so well. I remember it was in the month of January, so that it would have been 53 years ago right now. 53 years ago, I was preaching in Bossier City. That church was as dead as it could possibly be. And I was preaching on the subject, manifesting or masquerading. You're either manifesting the power of God or you're masquerading. You're acting like you are. You're either an actor or you really have it. And I was preaching. And as I began to preach, a man that was demon-possessed on the back seat began to scream hysterically. He was literally possessed like the demonic of Gadara. And he got up out of that pew and he began to twist all the way down that altar. And he said, somebody deliver me. And he threw himself into that altar. And I watched his face as he relaxed. And that grimace was gone. And that growling voice was softened. And I watched as Christ saved him. And he was baptized with the Holy Spirit in that dead church. I saw what ruined manifestation of God's power would do. That night, revival broke out. Eighteen people got baptized in the Holy Spirit that night in that dead church. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He is in this room right now. Don't tell me your problem is too hard for God. Don't tell me you're too great a sinner that God can't save you. When you say something is too hard for God or you sin too much for God to save you. That's not something that God glories in. You're saying that God is not able. But friend, He is able to forgive to the uttermost. He is able to heal the greatest sickness. He is able to deliver the greatest
this addiction and that God is in this room right now, but we'll never find it in man's cisterns that we have hewn out. We'll never find it with a program, pep. We'll never find it with something that we invented. We have to go back to God's Word, God's Holy Word, God's Holy Spirit. We have to worship until the power of God prevails. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. See the Lord high and lifted up. See the Lord high and lifted up. Friend, we've got to lift up Jesus higher than anything else. Higher than the way we think. Higher than the way we feel. Higher than our desire. Jesus Christ is the host. He is the king. He's the Lord. We lift him up. It's Jesus when I get up. It's Jesus at noonday. It's Jesus when I go to bed at night. It's all about Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He is the Savior.